Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. It is a podcast as contemplative as a Rod Serling story and as intentional as a Jordan Peele production. It is the middle ground between movies and television, between comedy (laughs) and horror. And it lies between the pit of a man's expectations and the summit of his excitement. This is the dimension of discussion. It is an area which we call Quality Check Podcast. Welcome, film and television fans, to a new era of podcasting with Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me in the fifth dimension is my co-host, Drew Douglas. It's very nice to be here. So I'm not going to take that narration approach, but just something that's brand new here. We normally cover movies, but this time we're stepping into the shadows, a place between reality and science fiction to cover the highly anticipated reboot of The Twilight Zone, now streaming on CBS All Access. We'll start with non-spoilers so that anyone who hasn't seen any of these Twilight Zone episodes will be able to get a taste of what to expect with these episodes and just to see if they may be interested in starting this with us. Let's talk about our history first, Drew, with Twilight Zone and why we decided to do this podcast. So what's your history with Twilight Zone? I would say I'm a step above a casual Twilight Zone fan. This is something I grew up with. I love it when sci-fi does the New Year's marathons. I would say that I have a pretty decent knowledge of Rod Serling and the series, the the uh, previous series, and that's where I am today. I wouldn't say I'm a diehard fan. I haven't seen every episode, but I've seen more than half, maybe maybe around the 75% mark. The ones that rank as the greatest hits. Yeah. Maybe my history, my knowledge of the series isn't high uh, as of yet, but this is something that I grew up with and really admired Serling for what he did. When especially being able to knock out as many episodes as what he did in such a short time period, the commentary, the social commentary, just everything that he had and what he brought to the table is very interesting. I grew up a huge fan. My dad was a major Twilight Zone fan, and I'd watch a lot of the marathons with my dad. That's kind of how I came to know the Twilight Zone, especially sci-fi. That network has always been known to do like Memorial Day weekend marathons Don't and stuff like that. do it on that. New Year's or am I making that up? Maybe. I'm pretty sure they do it on like New Year's Eve or yeah, something. Yeah, that seems about right because there was one New Year's we actually rang in with the Twilight Zone. That's a good way to do it. And I love the, just the idea of an anthology where every episode it's a new story. And I we talked about this before that if maybe one week you don't like it, you go back the next week and that one could be incredible. Truthfully, I have to say that my favorite storytelling is anthology. And maybe that's because we're both huge movie fans. I do like series. I do like to stay with a storyline and characters, especially if you love them. But like you said, if you don't like them, at least you're able to say, all right, I'm done with that. Let's move on. I don't want to spend 10 episodes with the same 
dole and drab characters or an awful storyline. But I'm right under what you would call the diehard Twilight Zone fans because I've seen a lot of episodes multiple times. I would consider Rod Serling to be a genius writer, and I would go as far as far to say that the Twilight Zone, the Rod Serling original series, is my favorite TV show of all time. It's not not a bad thing to say. I just think it's like I said, like you said, it's refreshing to have a series that can be done, especially this new one appearing. It appears it's. Uh, from a technical standpoint, every episode is going to look top-notch. And like you said, we don't have to carry a huge arc over 15 episodes. What's also interesting, Jordan Peele, who is the co-creator and developer of this new series, has referenced The Twilight Zone multiple times and said that it seems like a good time to bring back The Twilight Zone. My question is, when isn't it a good time to bring back The Twilight Zone? Because it seems like it's fitting with so many things that happen in everyday life for every generation. So, yeah. I mean, they've brought this back now for series altogether. We've got Serling's version. We've got the 80s version, the 2000s version with Forrest Whitaker. And then now we've got Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. Let's talk a little bit about Rod Serling, the man behind the curtain, if you will, of the Twilight Zone. Rod created the Twilight Zone after premiering The Time Element. Have you heard of that? I haven't. So The Time Element originally appeared on the Westinghouse Desi Lu Playhouse, which was a show produced and hosted by Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball was just one of the producers for that. The Time Element was actually very successful. That allowed Serling to develop The Twilight Zone as an actual series, which premiered in 1959, went five full seasons on CBS, and it made it to 1964. And that's basically, Serling grew tired of fighting the censorship and fighting with sponsors. And his main thing is that the Twilight Zone had been canceled. He's like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Canceled not once, not twice, three times. Three times. Third time he said, I'd had enough. Third time's a charm. 156 episodes, though. But he wanted to stay in creative control. A lot of that was something he fought. Serling went on to develop several other films like Planet of the Apes. Very never, famous. Never heard of it. And The Night Gallery. So this new series is developed by or co-developed by Simon Kinberg. And you know him with his work on the uh, X-Men films and his filmography. Yeah. Number of X-Men films has a new one coming out. It's called X-Men Dark Phoenix. His directorial debut, which has been hounded with a lot of behind-the-scenes drama. <laughs> it's been delayed numerous times. That comes out this year. We'll see how he fares. But yeah, yeah this whole Marvel, Fox, um, comic book movies, Deadpool, X-Men Apocalypse, stuff like Fantastic Four, Kinberg had some sort of hand in. And he's also worked on a few TV shows, including Legion, The Gifted, and designated survivor. Did you have you watched Legion? No, but I've heard actually some really good things about it. I've heard that it's very weird and trippy, but I keep hearing watch it. I watched season one and I did not did not think it was good. Would so you never returned to it? You I don't think I could. When, it was a, it was just a show that had nothing to say. There was it had just no no real story to it, which is a shame because I like Dan Stevens a lot. Uh, I had said that after. Daniel Craig was done with Bond. Dan Stevens would make a great James Bond. 
That probably won't happen, but he's an interesting actor, I think. That's on the list of actors who won't ever play Bond like Idris Elba, sadly. Oh, Now let's talk about one of the other co-developers of this new Twilight Zone series, Jordan Peele. Have you heard of him? Yes. My voice cracked. He did. He is the uh, guy that co-wrote Keanu, and I think that's it. Okay. So he's kind of an up-and-coming artist then. He loves cats. I love Zen because... Did you see Keanu, by the way? Yeah, I did. I saw... That was one of the worst film-going experiences because... I had a family behind me talking and jumping up in their seats nonstop. Like small kids or something? There were a few small kids, but it was mainly the entire family. Yeah. So so Peel wrote Keanu with Alex Rubens, who, as you will find out, has a part to play in this new Twilight Zone. Peel has mentioned how he's been influenced by the Twilight Zone in many different ways. One being Mirror Image. That's one of the original Serling Twilight Zone episodes that inspired... Peel to come up with the brand new film that he just released last month called Us, which is making a killing at the box office. Still doing pretty well. But Peel, let's actually get into his interpretation of Serling as the narrator because Peel takes over that character, if you will. What did you think about him coming on camera and doing the classic intro to the story and then the outro? For me, it feels very much like I'm trying to be Rod Serling and it doesn't work. Now, for part both of, of the episodes? For both. Now, okay. part of that, I like I like the appeal of Jordan Peele. And one thing I think this really suffers from, the whole narrator thing suffers from, is I'm assuming Rod Serling wrote his introductions to these episodes or at least had some hand in crafting sure. the words. Serling was such a wordsman that I don't think the writing for Jordan Peele's narrator is good. That it matches It him. just feels like me trying to beat Rod Serling. And I, Rod Serling is one of a kind. Mm-hmm. So the narrator in, these, in both of these episodes that we watched, it just seems like a really um, B-grade version of what Serling did. And I was like really su- almost surprised at how disappointed I was. And I think... The Both episodes are interesting in that we're introduced to the narrator in the comedian 10 minutes into the episode. And then Nightmare is a little – maybe a little earlier in the episode and they're introduced in interesting ways. He's not just standing there and he pitches to the story. He's actually somehow integrated into the story, which I find fantastic. But the narrator as a whole, I don't think the writing is very good. And something about what Peel's doing, I I kind of admire – but I, it's like, man, I, he's not he's just not Rod Serling. And it's hard to it's hard to really I was disappointed before watching this. Were you afraid of that narration part? Uh, a little bit. But then in one of the previews, you see Peel in the diner mm-hmm. and he does the classic Twilight Zone dialogue intro and it's i thought wow that's awesome he's going to be he's going to knock it out of the park i just think if the writing was as strong as sterling's i wouldn't notice it as much yeah and that's one thing after digging into this i don't know how much of a hand he had to play in that for writing that of obviously being one of the eps the executive producers and creator of this he has a large role to play, but... I would say if there are words coming out of his mouth, he is going to have a hand in it. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Now, with that being the case, though, how much time is spent in crafting that 
who knows. That's what's but, interesting is those Serling intros feel like, and I had read prior that he had a, he had a hard time writing. Well, not only that, but he really didn't like being on camera. And he decided to go on camera because he's like, well, someone's got to do he's it. He's got to do it, and he <laughs> knows he can do it. And I, I know he struggled with writing, and they've every one of those intros and those originals feels as if he spent three days writing it. True. Something that is read in 25 seconds. This does not feel that way. No. I was just hesitant and reluctant going into this that he will come off very, like, cardboardish. In his presentation. And I don't think so. The com- in Nightmare, which is technically the sep- second episode, he comes, he, he appears in a different way. It was interesting, the choices that they decided to make with that. But I didn't really mind it that much, but it does come off as like an imitation of Serling. Someone who is replicating what Serling did. But there's one thing that is different, and it is his interaction with kind of the environment, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that when we get into the episodes. There are two things. First, with the first two episodes of The Twilight Zone, I learned that fill in the blank. With the first two episodes of The Twilight Zone, I learned that we may be in for a really rocky first season. Ooh! Mine is, with the first two episodes of The Twilight Zone, I learned that new repeats old. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. Before we dive into this, the last thing, would you recommend these two episodes to anybody? But I have to recommend both? It could be one, like not necessarily both, but you could take them, like you can watch this one, but not that one. Yes. I would actually recommend them, but it's interesting because I don't know if I could recommend them to hardcore Twilight Zone fans. I, I think... Yeah, I don't know about that. I The rollout that CBS is doing with these is bizarre, frustrating, I think. It, these came out on April 1st, with, which is a Monday. The next new episodes don't come out for nearly two weeks. Makes absolutely no sense. I think the episode that they chose as number one doesn't make any sense for a number of reasons. And I don't under, I guess I don't understand... Their logic behind a lot of this stuff. I'm actually been very surprised that Nightmare was in the first episode. Should have been the first episode. I almost think this would be better on CBS. Mm-hmm. Your your audience is bigger. I don't think, and we'll get into this. This at least the first episode, and even the second episode in some degree, really earns the TV MA rating. I don't think it's necessary. I think it actually hinders the show. One hundred percent agree. And it just doesn't. F- a lot of this, the choices do not fit what Sterling was doing originally, even though he was breaking a lot of ground and and had a lot of metaphors for the life at that time. So I don't. A lot of what the choices that they're making with this, I don't fully understand. Yeah, we will cover in this episode the comedian, which is the very first episode, and nightmare at thirty thousand feet. Then I'll also talk about some of the other Twilight Zone episodes of the past that may be similar or related to these episodes. Let's jump into The Comedian. Hi, everybody. Hi. The audience don't care about what you think. They care about you. What do you want? You happy with your life? 
happens to your career? Don't you want it all? More than anything. The comedian tells the story of a struggling stand-up who takes advice from a successful comedian leading to consequences. This episode was released on April 1st. No April Fools. I actually told you how crazy would it be if Twilight Zone came out and we got to April 1st and Jordan Peele said, I'm just trolling all of you. I just it would, trailers. you know what? At this point, with what CBS All Access <laughs> is doing, it wouldn't surprise me. It would That'd come. be really insulting to fans looking forward to it, though. Why? Why they even bother releasing it on the first? So they dropped two episodes, and we won't get another episode for more than a week. Technically, after the release date of that, you have a week and a half of downtime. The only thing I can think is you release it a little early. You hope to build some buzz, but with streaming, like. Do we need these set dates? Just do it on a Monday. Yeah. Why are we waiting till Thursday? I don't get it. They're not sticking with, I thought for sure, we assumed that they would stick with Monday, but they've been moved to Thursday. There's got to be a lot of behind the scenes where they're tracking data and they're saying, hey, we need downloads on X, these dates, these dates, these dates. And I'm just kind of (laughs) confused. We don't need to get, I won't spend too much time on this again, but I'm less than impressed with how this rollout has been. Everything all together, yeah. Now, continuing with the comedian, we've got the writer who is Alex Rubens. You brought up Rubens earlier. He co-wrote Keanu, and then he also was a major influence and behind-the-scenes staff member with Key and Peele. Yeah, so he's tight with Jordan Peele. He's in tight. Do you think we're going to see Key at any point in this series? Yes, I do. But I think it's going to be a surprise. I like, could like a main character type thing, or yes, but I don't anticipate that happening during season one. Yeah, that won't be this season. I really, if this gosh, continues, I hope this continues. I really do. I do too. I think there, honestly, is a lot of room to grow, and this there are some really great things uh, that is kind of under the hood here. So let's continue. The director is Owen Harris, who he worked on Black Mirror. So he's bringing a little bit of that expertise. So it's this culmination, this kind of inspiration of everything that's all on the same vein of, of entertainment. Then the big actors that we have in The Comedian, we've got Kumel Nanjani and Tracy Morgan, whom I said he's bringing his best Denzel impersonation to this. Tracy, yeah. Honestly. Not not what I expected from not Tracy Morgan. Yeah, not at all. Just a heads up, this is where we will enter into major spoiler territory. Let's go ahead and start off with the plot and story. I, I, I think the, the basic idea behind this episode, this episode is actually kind of fascinating. And there's a kernel of a good idea in there, but it's overall not good. What, and why is that? I found this whole episode to be pretty painful. It's interesting. So you now you watched this episode by yourself, right? At home. Yeah, and I did it in the order that these are coming out, and I struggled to finish this first episode. So it was a bad start. It left a bad taste in your mouth because for a number of reasons, and one one big one is I think the idea of this episode as a whole is good. Why in the world are we stretching this plot fifty plus minutes? Yeah. It's outrageous. That's my number one complaint about this. It should have been trimmed to, honestly, I think they could have fit within the normal broadcast standard of 24 minutes with this story. There's no reason this should have been over 25 minutes. Yeah. 
too long. It too takes too long for so Camille plays a comedian named Samir. Did we go into the plot about what exactly happens? No. So the spoilers of this after basically Camille takes advice from Tracy Morgan, JC, who is this stand-up comedian who his idol, his idol, and everyone else have they you know have basically raved about Tracy's character and how he killed it. He was just the best comedian ever. And then all of a sudden he pops out of nowhere and Camille starts talking to him, asks him for advice about what he should do to change his show because Camille can't seem to catch a break. And then that's whenever he, Tracy says, don't talk about anything that's really important. Just do this crazy stuff that is just like mundane and people eat that up. The, the idea is, yeah, you, no one wants to hear about serious politics serious life issues focus on your personal life mm-hmm. they'll lose their minds and he starts talking about his his first stand-up he starts talking about his dog and his dog he does these crazy vulgar gags about his dog and then it's a huge hit people go nuts and he goes home and it's as if his dog never existed he can't find his dog his girlfriend has no idea what he's talking about. Which he, it's her dog, by the yeah, way. Yeah, her dog too. Yeah, it is her dog. And they're hanging up, him and this, his um, nephew are hanging up missing dog posters. And the nephew has no idea who this dog is. And he slowly starts realizing that every time he jokes about something personal, whether it's you know a person or his dog, that person vanishes completely. Interesting idea. Great yeah. idea, actually. Yeah. I was when we got to the oh, the dog's missing, and then we do it one more time with what what disappears the second time. It was his nephew. Is it the nephew yeah, vanishes without a trace? No one has any idea. I was like, okay, this has me hooked. And we meet when we meet Kumail. He's struggling, and he's his gags or his jokes are about the Second Amendment and guns. That's kind of the the main. Uh, Whatever his jokes are based on, and it's just not working. He's he's just trying to be a serious comedian where he's like, you know, I want to make a difference with my jokes. Yeah, but every time we he does a stand-up routine after that point, he keeps going. He, he tries that same joke. He realizes, he knows what this power is, but he keeps doing the stupid Second Amendment joke. <laughs> Did, I don't so understand. You got it. really he's annoyed like, with that. I got yeah. Very he frustrated. acts like the memento guy. He has no, <laughs> he looks like he forgets every single time. It makes. So drawn out. I was so frustrated with this episode because Kumail brings his A-game. Tracy Every, Morgan brings his A-game. Yeah. I, I was stunned by the level, the quality that we end up getting out of the actors, of all of the actors, the it, cinematography. The, yeah. The, the episode looks fantastic. Yeah. And Why that, are we starting with a 50-something minute episode? I don't know. And that's that actually was so surprising. I could have seen Nightmare being that, but not the comedian. And Even the, I don't know. We do not need – it's going to – Which, yeah, don't get me wrong. We don't need the Netflix issue where it's every, every episode's an hour and we stretch it long. Now, a good sure. thing is Nightmare is 37 minutes, so we know so they're not going to be like this. Yeah. I just don't it's, – it's ridiculous. I think that's my main thing is the story's good, shouldn't be this long. And then this episode, I, I, I don't think I'm a prude. I really don't. Sure. I can have fun and watch stuff that where characters say stuff that I wouldn't say in my normal day-to-day life. This this episode says the F word like 
40 times. They drop it an intense amount. Which is, it's part of the the culture of the comedy. And I understand people are going to curse. I understand that. I I guess I, my thing is, if you're trying to bring in the Twilight Zone audience, uh, grand, this is not the grandparents the way to do it. who grew up with <laughs> the show or my folks that this is, this is you're, you're trying to put an edgy spin on it or something. I don't know. I just don't think it fits. And I found the language at this in this one particularly distracting. I am actually glad I read about the language before going into this because that would have caught me off guard and I would have been so bothered. Which, if I go into a movie or watch a show and there's cursing, that's never been something that takes me out of it. Like, The Wolf of Wall Street is so over the top. But that's making a point. They, right. they live their life in excess. So everything in that film is done to push it. Right. I understand that. And that and and that's an example of where, like, that was super offensive to some who I went to see that movie with. But to me, I didn't care. It's because, grating, like you said, yeah, but I get it. I, that's, yeah. that's what I expect. But if you bring that to the Twilight Zone, there's an element where you end up going into this with this idea of where you can watch this film with your family. This is not a family show. At this point, right? When it I don't it? think it's going to be. I just feel like they are. I don't know. I, and I feel like this with with the DC with the DC Universe show Titans and Doom Patrol. Like maybe Doom Patrol fits this a little more, but Titans like Robins. Constantly Robins cursing. Yeah, they're just constantly cursing. <laughs> it's so bizarre to me. I'm like, what is the target audience? Now I, I don't know what the audience is for this Twilight Zone. Now I could see where. The language is something that Serling would have pushed that, but I don't think he would have gone overboard. And I think I, for the comedian, I think they do go overboard. I do too. And I and Nightmare has cussing in it, but it felt real. It felt more natural, but it still took me out. I'll say that much. And well, it take it took me out a little bit too when less than a minute into it, Adam Scott's already said the <laughs> F word. Yeah. It didn't continue throughout the episode, which I was like, okay. That feel that's a little better. This one, yeah, it's just too. I just don't understand it. I don't know why it's necessary. Yeah, my major complaint was the length of the comedian, and then we end up having the issue of the the cursing, which there's no need to go to the extreme of where, like you said, there's a bit where it is like every other word's the f bomb, and just like constantly. Yeah, he's screaming it, and then he has kind of this comedian rival who's a female. And she tells him to suck her <laughs> to put it nicely. The first two or, or two and again, minutes it, of this. It fits, it fits the comedy world. I, I get it. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know why that's necessary in a Twilight Zone reboot. Yeah. And, and I wonder what Serling's family, they signed off on this, by did. the way. So it's, this isn't some. And his wife is an executive producer. Yeah. So maybe they don't care. Maybe Serling was a. Was uh, He was a sailor or something. He had a sailor mouth. I don't know. And again, it's not that you can't have that in that kind of content in this, but it just, when you're doing it so much, it feels like you just learn the F word and you're like, oh, I'm going to use this a thousand and one times. It seemed like the creators said, you know what? We're streaming. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I thought that would, they would probably go that direction. I kind of, I mean, I'm watching it too. And when it, when I was realizing that this, it's just how it's going to be because they have no, there's no one telling them not to. So right. it's like, why not do it? I just think as a whole, and we'll talk about the ending of this episode. As a whole, this is an awful start to the Twilight Zone. This first episode, this is a middle. If you're doing ten episodes, 
this is a good number, I don't know, episode six or seven, where it's sure. like, oh, yeah, it was, it was okay. And then you forget about it's it. It's like a filler. Why? Uh, this is a really, really bad first episode. And if this, this is why they're doing two and one. Sure. Again, you could do it any way they want. They have nobody, they do whatever they want. It's streaming. Why right. not start with Nightmare? Yeah, and that's that's how I feel. Now, I will say, I actually did not mind the comedian as much as everyone else because there were probably six of us who watched it at the same time. There was one in the group who hated it, absolutely hated it, said, like you, it was a pain and a struggle to sit through. Described it in terms of, it's like when you're in the movie and you want it to be over, but it keeps dragging on. Yeah, there was a point, and I was like, this is probably wrapping up, and I had 23 minutes left. <laughs> so you checked the time I left. checked m- multiple times. And that's not good when this is the first – and it's a shame because I th- I would say the first 15 minutes or so, uh, when the setup is okay, and then they get to the kind of the, the real crux of the story, which I thought was really interesting. I like introducing Peel as the narrator 10 minutes into it. I was like, oh. So you did like that. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Which, and the way they do it is really cool. That's what they did in the 2000s Twilight Zone. But in Serling, it was almost right away for those Twilight Zone episodes. And I get changing it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mind that either. And like you said, the setup for the story and kind of setting the stage, I like that. I still think they could have shortened it. If you just shorten basically most of that, I think that's kind of your formula to this episode to make it a little bit better because... Hitting some of those points on what I really liked, the shots and cinematography in this are amazing. Like, there's a lot to look at in The Comedian and Nightmare. We'll get to that here in a little bit. It's a good-looking show. I love when they go outside and everything's wet because it's been raining and just the the shine of the the street lamps on the wet streets. Fantastic-looking show. Everything in the apartment looked great, the way they lit it. On a technical acting standpoint, I think this is top notch, which gives yeah. me hope. It's like we're, we're able to tell singular stories and have them look prestigious, like a, a two-hour Hollywood film. Right? Yeah, I would agree with that. And maybe they're able to do that because they're streaming, but I still don't. I feel like they could do that even if they were on CBS to reach a larger audience. But yeah, there's so much, so many times. And that's why I didn't mind The Comedian because – We've got great acting, great shots, and there are so many callbacks to The Twilight Zone that I kept throughout the entire episode being like, oh, that's cool, and noticing those things. So that's why I didn't mind it as much. So maybe someone who's a huge fan, especially a diehard fan of The Twilight Zone series, will appreciate this more than a normal person because this does honestly feel a little bit like a filler episode if you stick with the 55-minute runtime. So what would you give this an overall grade? A D. Whoa. I, I'm telling you, I, I struggled to finish this first episode. Okay. <laughs> I, I, that actually is – that would honestly be trouble. I don't I, know if I, I could continue after that. Well, luckily, I, like, I knew what the second one was about. And I, I texted you last night. And I didn't want to reveal too much, but I was like, one down, one to go. And when I, I wrote that, I was like, I don't even know. I'm going to struggle with this. If this is what this is all season. But then I, got, I go back to, I love the anthology idea. This doesn't work for me. Let's give it another go. Sure. You, you, got, you got another episode to win me over. You're able to cleanse the palate and continue. I give it a C plus. 
yeah. overall because there are certain things that still kept me in it and I was able to enjoy the episode and I liked it. I will say what I'll go back to is to kind of pick apart a lot of the callbacks and then the other thing is to enjoy the acting because like you said, Camille's great. Tracy, honestly, I have to really hand it to Tracy Morgan. He delivered something we've never seen Tracy Morgan do. He vapes? He stands what in corners. Do, what are you going to do if you meet a, a vaping Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan? Named JC. Did we want to talk about the ending? Because, yes. you know, Twilight Zones are known for their twist endings. That was right after the final grade. What did you think about the ending? Did it make it better or worse for you? So, I mean, surely everyone who watches this is going to see this coming a mile away. The the As the episode goes on, he's... He's calling out these people in his shows to erase them from history, and it starts ruining his life and the people around him. So the episode ends with him talking about himself, and he disappears, and everyone goes wild. And then the comedian rival that he had stumbles on J.C. Wheeler, Tracy Morgan, and gets the same advice. Love the ending. Even though I saw it coming a, a mile away, you know that's where it's headed. But it's good. it's a good ending, and it's just like the... I like the idea that this episode is what this says about comedy and having to really open up and say stuff that normally you wouldn't say because it's all about pushing the boundaries. And I mean, I like the whole idea behind it. It's just a lot of this is hard to take. But ending, I, I thought the ending was good. I also have to say that as far as the metaphors as well, I loved it in terms of your sacrifices. It goes back to the normal Twilight Zone questions that you ask yourself. How far would you be willing to go for success? How far would you be willing to go to get the thing that you think that you want the most? And could you sacrifice your loved ones and other things that you also love dearly? I love that it puts you in the seat of that main character and poses those questions. And also liked peel and his outro in terms of his interaction like him holding the glass in this wasn't as cool as him holding the notebook that later camille uses to write the names in and it's basically his hit list i think there are a lot of good takeaways from this episode a lot of cool things that happen and the ending even though like you said leading up to it's like all right so is he going to erase himself is he going to erase jc and then that way he survives and all of this never happened or is he just going to take eddie's the place where they're playing out of the equation like there are some elements like you do it is predictable you're able to see where this is going but that's not necessarily a bad thing and honestly the one major thing the runtime hurts the comedian I it think kills it for me. I think that's what it can really be boiled down to. I think going going into this episode too, one of the first things I asked when these landed on CBS All Access on Monday was, how long are these episodes? Yeah. And you, you told me 50 minutes or whatever, and I was like, crap. Rubbing your head. Yeah, it's, it's instantly like a... It that's a red flag. It doesn't kill me, but it it's a frustrating thing for me. I. And I don't think I have – I don't have a short attention span. It's not that. It's not that I want to be off doing other stuff. It's just a lot of these – I feel like a lot of these premium shows, whether it's on HBO or CBS or Netflix, they they drag this stuff out 
unnecessarily. I don't understand it. Well, it's like a writer without an editor. You need to reel yeah. it in at times. They need. We need the the forty minute guideline for network television works because it forces you to trim the fat, and these mm-hmm. shows don't have to do that. Let's get into your favorite thing, least favorite thing. What was your favorite thing out of this episode? My favorite thing was when it ended. <laughs> Over the actors? No. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. I would say just the. I know you hated it, but. Man. Surely there were a few things to pick out. You know, I, I, I like the acting a lot. I think the idea, I'm just going to say the idea behind the episode and the plot is my favorite thing. I don't think it was handled okay. correctly, but I like the idea behind it because that's when I awoke. Mm-hmm. was when I'm watching this. I'm going, this is where it's headed. I love this. I have to go with my favorite thing being the shots. Because I loved how it looked. In in the shots of alcohol and eddies? Just that. Okay. Yeah. People taking shots. But the cinematography is just, I ate it up. I, there was, no, it's fantastic looking. And and whenever it started out that way, I thought, okay, we're off to a great, as you said, technical start. I love very early, about that 10-minute mark is when he realizes the dog never existed, that his girlfriend has no idea what he's talking about. And we slowly start panning through his apartment and we see Jordan Peele sitting there at his kitchen table. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. It's so well done Mm -hmm. that it's frustrating that the episode's just not good. Yeah. So I don't think it's too hard to find out what your least favorite part then is. Yeah, it's way too long. And I'm going to – I'll say it again. I think the language is ridiculous. Would that almost be worse than the, the length of this? Yeah. I would say it's probably my least favorite thing. It just doesn't fit the. It just doesn't fit maybe my idea of what Twilight Zone is, and I'm just going to have to realize that what I thought this was isn't what it's going to be. What it's going to be very different, sure. Which is fine. I'll I'll get past it. It's just it seems like a little overkill. Just like me repeating <laughs> over and over again <laughs> that it's I find a, it frustrating. It's basically like you're repeating the Second Amendment joke that Camille was repeating. And I, yeah, and I can't figure out why no one's listening to me. Um, <laughs> like if you're. Were your parents big Twilight Zone fans? My dad loved it. My mom would occasionally watch it. Do you think your father's after you? Yes, don't he's going to be upset. You don't say anything. and He's going to go, man, why Why is this in here for? He, no, I think a lot of people are going to feel that way. No joke. He already I, – I texted him last night after watching these episodes and I said, I'm really interested to hear what you think. And he said, I've already watched Half the Comedian. And he just said – normally he'll, he will finish a Twilight Zone episode. Like he will, even Night Gallery, those episodes are an hour long. And I felt like Night Galleries could run a little too long, but he would watch those from start to finish. He only watched half of it. So I'm interested if that was a bad thing or what. I don't know. Maybe oh, something know. came up. Yeah. Okay. So that, he just like stops. It's like, he he's like, I can't take Which this. it wouldn't surprise me if people stopped this first one and weren't into it. Yeah. I mean, I could too. I really think this could hurt the series with it being the first episode. I mentioned this earlier. There are a lot of callbacks to the Twilight Zone. The opening shot, we've got this giant mural and it's of people in the audience. If you look close enough, some of those audience members appear to be wearing masks or they've got what appear to be like the pig noses. Those are callbacks to the original Twilight Zone episodes, The Masks and Eye of the Beholder. I do have a question about, so this mural that's in this comedy club. Yeah. At the very end of the episode, Kumail disappears because he's, mm-hmm. he's talked about himself. He appears in the mural. Are all the people in the mural, the, people, the comedians that JC met, 
That's my guess. Okay. So he's basically he's just the passing devil. this on over and over. Again. Yeah, I assume he's like the gatekeeper of hell. And it's a he, good. It's basically the shining ending with the photograph yes. on there. So when it started, when I saw this, I'm like, The Shining. This is going to come back to The Shining, and Camille's going to be pulled into this where he's a part of this. And instead of like that, where Jack Nicholson is front center, it's probably going to be him on stage. Where in the end, it just ended up being Camille sitting in the audience. I love that he's in the audience. He was tempted. By yeah. the apple. I love that too. And that's part of the ending that I love. It starts on the mural, ends on the mural. Yeah, it's fantastic. The other thing, did you notice the dummy that was sitting, the ventriloquist dummy? I, I did. I didn't think anything of it. That is from the episode, The Dummy. Franklin Street, whenever Camille walks out of the nightclub and there is a bus stop and it's been crashed into, Franklin is a callback to the episode, The Fever in which a gambling addict dies because he's addicted to playing slot machines. Love it. And then the other thing, you have to look close enough, you will notice names of other major characters, not actors, but characters of Twilight Zone episodes of the past on the cell phone of Zamir as he's flipping through to find his nephew, and then also on the wall of the green room. Some names that are written are of those actors, or I'm sorry, characters in the other Twilight Zone. Well, I noticed too in the in the club where what you're talking about, Matthew Perry's name was on there. And I think well, are, Luce, did they Lisa film? Kubrow. Did they film those in actual? Yeah. Are you because I really did see Matthew Perry? Oh, for real? Yeah, he's on there. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> That's notice why I that. didn't know if this was an actual club that people oh, actually signed. That is really interesting because I did not notice that. I assume if it's that's like the case. It's like very, very large huh. in one of the shots. Maybe maybe that's the case. Unless I read it wrong, but I'm pretty confident it said Matthew so Matthew Perry. Perry. I hope it's the entire cast of Friends. Somebody, whoever, who wrote this, uh, Alex Rubens Al- is just like a huge Friends fanatic. <laughs> maybe he doesn't like Friends and he likes I need to go back and watch that because I, I would bet I'm about 98% positive it said Matthew Perry. What if Rubens is like, no, I don't like Friends, but I like the whole nine yards? I, you know what? Chandler was the best, <laughs> in my opinion. Now let's switch gears and get into episode two, Nightmare at 30,000 feet. We got we to raise, raise it up 10,000 feet. I'm running out of time. Listen to me. This is real, and I have evidence to prove what's going on here. I believe you. So Nightmare at 30,000 Feet tells the story of a journalist traveling overseas, and he discovers a podcast that details how his international flight will disappear. Ooh, podcast, again, baby. But yeah, I love it. When Before this was released, and we found the description... And I read, a journalist listens to a podcast. We I, both started screaming. I, I didn't know what the plot was. Before watching this, reading the plot and the synopsis, love that idea. And it was a great way to kind of bring it into this modern, this, this story that was written in 63. Bring this today's standards, which he, is he, he discovers on the plane an old MP3 player with the podcast, which I think is pretty fantastic yeah and he has to like go he has to find an old school pair of headsets because he has those wireless <laughs> earbuds did you like that scene whenever he like 
grabs the headphones from the guy who's sitting next to him. The guy gets so annoyed, he just leaves. The whole introduction of this podcast, he, he finds the MP3 player. Sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but he finds the MP3 player, starts listening to it, realizes that this narrator is talking about his plane and that it's going to crash. I paused it and rewound because I wanted to watch that whole thing transpire again. So good. No joke. After we record, I'm probably going to watch that as well because I love that. It's Yes. This was one where, uh, unlike The Comedian, it starts, once again, looks fantastic, but it's also good. So here's something that's interesting that I found out about kind of the stats. This story is from Peel, Kinberg, and Marco Ramirez. Ramirez wrote this episode as well. Based off Nightmare at 20,000 Feet 20, by feet. Richard Matheson. Once again, going back to, shouldn't they have started with this? If this is the story by the guys who created this new series, they developed this. Why not begin with this? I don't know. I, I honestly can't figure it out. That would be, if we ever got a, if I could only ask Jordan Peele one question, <laughs> and I would say I need a serious answer. Why isn't this the first episode? And again, it doesn't matter. It's streaming. You can do it any order that you want. I chose to go in, in the correct order. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. That's probably the biggest mystery other than, that's the biggest oh, Twilight Zone question I have. Maybe that's the reason why they just wanted everyone to think about that. Really just kind of confuse everybody. So we've got Adam Scott, once again. Love Adam Scott. A comedian in this role and the lead role here. Do you, you so you loved him here in this? Yes, he's, he's Ben Wyatt to me. I love Parks and Rec. He's, he's always been to me and he's very much like, I mean, he, I like Adam Scott because he's always some variation of Adam Scott usually, unless <laughs> you watch something like Step Brothers, which he's completely outrageous and really, really funny in, but he's usually kind of the straight man and he, he does kind of this, um, like the, this, he's discovering what's going on and he has this panic to him that I really like this fidgety panic. Mm-hmm. I honestly have to say, just like with Camille and Tracy Morgan, his best was brought out in this, and this may be one of my favorite things I've seen Adam Scott in. Mind you, I have not seen a lot of Adam Scott, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about the breakdown of that. Let's go ahead and start reviewing and and ranking what we really liked and disliked about this, and let's start with what we liked, the plot. Was that something you enjoyed? Because Nightmare 20,000 Feet... Once again, a man who's afraid to fly. This time, it's a man who's suffering. A journalist, mind you, suffering from PTSD. As he described it to his wife over the phone at the beginning of this, I've seen a lot of effed up stuff. Yeah, so it's just, it's justified why he is the way he is. Why he's having these kind of a mental break. Mm-hmm. We know why. And he's even addressed later on in the episode that he's had a breakdown before and he knows what that's like, but this is not a breakdown. And that's not it. And he tells his wife at the beginning, um, I, I'm suffering from PTSD because of I, I, what, I, what I saw. And basically you would too. If you saw what I saw, it would mess you up. So the story you liked overall. I liked the story for a lot of reasons. One, uh, it's kind of like you said, the modern take on a classic story. And this began, and I was worried we were going to get the monster on the wing, which is great. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We don't need to see that again. Right. So the idea that we have basically the same story where you have a man on an airplane, he's already struggling mentally, and now there's something that's setting him off again, it's fantastic. 
And I love the idea that a podcast is introduced. He's listening to it and he's realizing that what he's listening to is carrying out in real time, basically. Mm-hmm. I think it's smart. And yeah, I think the plot is, I, I just think it's really smart. We're introduced to this podcast, but then we also see the actual element starting to kick in, meaning the thunderstorm that they're going through. And then we see the bird that flies in. So there's this physical danger, but I do really love this aspect. It digs more into the psychosis of how would you respond if you're listening to this and you feel like it's really basically this playbook, this manual to your fate. And you have no control of that. I think that's one of the best ideas that they come up with is that 11.15, the plane disappears. So he's watching the clock and he's he and the audience, us, literally have a clock, a countdown to when disaster is going to strike. And that always you know, kind of amps up the uh, danger a little mm-hmm. bit when you know at this time something as bad is going to happen. It's got that final destination almost, like you're anticipating yeah. something bad. This, I think the... One maybe issue that I have, and this isn't maybe one of my big complaints, but it is just something that I think about is watching this is very much like Liam Neeson's nonstop, which I like, Mm. but it reminded me so heavily of just confined to an airplane uh, and trying to unravel a mystery that it felt maybe too familiar. Uh, Yes. So going through this, it did feel very familiar. And I'm going to say now that I think... This story, you'll think about it less and you won't really want to return to it as much because you know kind of how it turns out. And I honestly, at the very beginning, whenever the man walks up and we don't know who this guy is, it's Joe, the pilot. And he introduces himself to Adam Scott. Adam pays, his character pays for this magazine. I thought this guy, there's something up with him. And I figured as we go on, I thought this is a fight club situation. He's rationalizing in his mind how, because I felt like this guy's going to go nuts somehow. Adam Scott's going to lose his mind. So he's trying to make sense of it all, make sense of certain things in which he's already lost his grasp on reality. And this guy is kind of his grasp on reality, if you will, or his character he who he's personified all of these bottled up intentions into one person, in which we do get that later, the narration with Jordan Peele, who talks about the road to hell is paved with good intentions. How do you say this actor's name, by the way? Is it the pilot's name? Yeah, Chris Diamond Topolis? Topolos? Topolis, I would why, assume. Why, why are we using that as our last name, Chris? Man, that is... I, he's fantastic, though. I, I remember he's on Silicon Valley, and I remember okay. him on About a Boy... He was on Hannibal briefly in The Office. He's on The Office. He's the camera guy that has a thing for Pam late in the season and uh, Arrested Development and stuff like that community. So I think it's fair to say so far what we've seen, Jordan and his team, they're bringing out the best of these actors, right? Everything that we've seen for acting, for everyone across the board, they're doing a fantastic job. We're having good lead actors and they're being surrounded by good players right did you know who the pilot was by the way the actual plane pilot no but so that's nicholas i think you say nicholas lee lee he was he played Crychek on the x-files okay 
because I, he looks so familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on who who he actually is and what he's played in before. It's interesting. I didn't know one of the producers for this is Glenn Morgan. Glenn, Mor- <laughs> if you know the X Files, you know him and his brother Darren have done some of the most iconic X Files episodes. Uh, Darren and James Wong worked together on the X-Files. They went on to do some films like Final Destination, mm. which is one of my all-time favorite horror fitting. films. This is fitting. They worked on Final Destination 3. Um, so Glenn Morgan is a part of this, and he is writing an upcoming episode. He wrote episode four. But I had no idea he was involved. Saw him in the credits, got very excited. He's working on The Traveler, I assume? Yeah, with- he's doing with Steven Yeun. Okay, and so that'll be interesting to see. I have no idea. What, and Greg Kinnear's in that one, too. I think the other great thing that continues, the cinematography's great. The editing is great. I think overall the pacing is pretty good. Overall, this episode was a major improvement. And believe it or not, so you did it in order. You watched this one second. I watched this one first. So in the very beginning, I thought, okay, we're off to a great start. These shots are hooking me. Uh, the one thing I will say, going into the negatives, once again, the whenever Adam Scott drops the F-bomb, even though it was one, one time at the beginning, I thought, okay, well, this is going to be interesting with it just kind of trickling its way into everyday conversation, just like having a conversation with your wife. That took me out, and then there was uh, assistance there on the plane who ended up dropping the F-bomb just out of nowhere. And it was when things got crazy, which understandable, but that was like, okay, once again, I'm just getting used to this. So once I got in that mindset, it made it easier, but I don't know, it's still, it was still weird. It was just a weird thing to see that happen in the Twilight Zone. So, Well, this is the Twilight Zone, so maybe we should expect it more. That's true. What do you think about the overall grade for this one? You well, gave- Can I say one more negative thing oh, that yeah. I actually had with this one? It's, we'll say, 37 minutes. It's still too long. The panic that Adam Scott goes into, and he's really starting to grade on the passengers and the, and the crew. What, they should have, they would have knocked this dude out 15 minutes earlier because <laughs> he's so obnoxious. Yeah, true. And he's annoying so many people, and he's causing, I mean, that's an actual threat to people's safety. Um, and how he was able to just navigate this plane without anybody being like, sit down, what are you doing? Yeah. I so agree. I feel like his panic and uh, paranoia went on a little too long just from a, just a logical standpoint. And then the episode, I feel like, could have shaved a little bit off. But yes, it's a much greater improvement over shaving 20 minutes off. Helps a lot. Yeah. And this is, like you said, it's shot impeccably. So you were talking about Adam Scott wandering around the plane. What would you do if you woke up, you were falling asleep, you had a seven-hour journey? eight-hour journey across the ocean. You just want to get in a little nap before you get over to Tel Aviv, where you're traveling to. And you wake up, and this guy drops this giant suitcase in your lap. What would you... I mean... He would have gotten punched. He would have been taken out. (laughs) And he... Not only this happens, Adam Scott does this, and and a very heavy bag falls on a guy's lap. Not Not just any guy, a Russian soccer player... Should, and stands up and towers over Adam Scott. Should have knocked him out. But I will say whenever he's like, the Russian mob's after you. You're, they're going to kill you. And he's like, check his passport. I started laughing in that moment. And I don't know if they were going for that. But I I thought, can you imagine like here a guy's trying to lie low and then he's called out 
And then it sends this entire area of this plane into a frenzy because they're like, great. Like now this mob is brought up to it and to play. They're probably going to come in here and like kill everyone. It does it numerous times too because because of where they're going, Tel Aviv, there's a variety of people on this plane. There's an idea that he's hinting towards what uh, these people are because he doesn't know how the plane's going to go down. And uh, there's kind of a gag where he, he needs to tell them to stop watching soccer on their phones. And they're like, no, we're, <laughs> we're, we're okay. That was good. And I know Peel and then a lot of the actors for this came out and said that it plays into this idea that this story is really about the insecurities of what terrorism looks like. And once again, I think Peel just told us in the form of a Twilight Zone episode because our true threat lies within us. So what's your overall grade? I would give this one a B. Okay. So kind of maybe just the uh, the above average mark. I One thing I talked to you about is we watched a preview for this. I think it's maybe mm-hmm. the first Twilight yeah. Zone preview. And there are shots that reveal Adam Scott on the beach and basically reveal the ending. So mm-hmm. when the plane goes down, we know that he ends up on a beach. Wish I had never seen that. I don't know why that. I don't know why we needed to show that. That was kind of a bummer because, like you said, it get, and I knew from that going into the story, we would end up on a beach, and it would also like he's alive. I guess they were thinking of all right, maybe people will stick around because they want to know how. I went with the B plus on this episode. I had a lot of fun with it, and starting things off, I thought this is a great start. It doesn't necessarily say anything that's brand new. It, as I mentioned earlier, touches on this fight club as a Twilight Zone episode, basically. And there are certain things that are kind of rehashed, but I didn't mind it. I didn't have a problem with that. So what did you think about the ending, though, talking about that and diving into it? They crash land on on a beach, and then he listens and finds part two of the podcast. Woo! episode two and he's listening and finds out everyone is alive except for one single passenger it's justin himself (laughs) because he was annoying so many people and caused this (laughs) huge disaster that everyone crowds around him and literally kills him we the closing shot we see them beating adam scott to death (laughs) which i enjoy i like the idea of the ending of this as a whole that He's trying to stop the crash and inadvertently causes the crash because mm-hmm. he's looking the wrong direction, basically. And he pays for it with his life. And I thought the uh, – I wish I hadn't seen that they were on an island, but the ending still really works for me. It's it's that dark twist that a lot of these Twilight Zones were kind of known for was you – in the end, you you kind of create your, your own demise a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Yeah, I, I really like that ending too. And I especially loved – the callback to the original nightmare at 20,000 feet with the doll that washes up on the shoreline, and it's the gremlin. I don't even think, I think I saw one child on that plane, so who's carrying that thing around? That was the it's child. be the boys. Now, I heard that William Shatner reprised his role, but he was that gremlin, and they just shrunk him to look <laughs> like that. Favorite part, least favorite part of nightmare at 30,000 feet? Um, favorite part, let's see here. The shot of Adam Scott being beaten to death. I mean, I, I might just say just the ending and, and the realization that Adam Scott has where 
he's like, oh, crap, I, I'm the blame for this accident. <laughs> no, 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 no. Scratch that. It's when he discovered, my favorite part, hands down, it's what I would call my YouTube moment, is him discovering the MP3 player on the plane and the tailspin of, you know, oh, he's listening to it. And he's like, oh, my God, this is what I'm listening to is literally happening right now. Yeah. I love that because I watched that several times last night. That's mine. And I described it in a nutshell of paranoia on a plane. It's good. It's so good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Least favorite, though. It's the running time. It's still too long. Okay. I feel like my least favorite part is it's too similar to certain things that we've already seen before. I enjoyed it, but there were some kind of retraces. So it would have been nice to see it go in some other different directions. I enjoyed it. I, I, yeah. I did like it with my score, but... It's one issue that I have with both of these, and it's my biggest concern with what we're seeing, is that... Do we not have anything original to say? Or are we going to sure. rely on the past to tell new stories, mm-hmm. new new in quotations? That's my big concern moving forward. And that's what I would tell anybody that's loved this franchise and has seen every episode. Should you watch this? Yeah, give it a shot. But are you seeing something you haven't seen before right now? No. no. Even, even with this fresh take on Nightmare – You've seen it before, basically. It's just we're, we're like, hey, how can we tweak this? Just We're basically – we're doing the reboot remake thing. Yeah. Where we're, we're going to have it – this is for a new audience, but it's basically the same story. And that's, I think, maybe going to be the biggest problem with season one mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah, and that's where at the beginning of this podcast I said reboot because that's exactly what it feels like. And everything about the series so far – it's kind of leaning into that. Sometimes, most of the time, I should say, I don't mind it. But there was something about Nightmare. Just It was too much. And it was my concern, exactly what you said. A lot of people, though, are saying, you can't really call this a reboot or a remake. Uh, but I don't know. From yeah, what we've seen is. so far, it is. Yeah. All right. The Easter eggs for Nightmare. Whipple, uh, that's described on the bottom of the podcast and then also at the bottom of the screen where it says Mission of Mars, that wide shot, and we see Adam Scott's character standing there. Whipple is also from the Brain Center at Whipple's, and that is a episode of the original Twilight Zone series, and that was telling a story that was about computers taking the place of humans. So there was an interesting way of spinning that into this story. The other thing, Enigmatic, which is the podcast that features the voice of Rodman Edwards' voice from Hardcore History. Did not know that, but I loved his voice. I loved that. The voice sounded familiar. I couldn't pinpoint it. Where can I subscribe to this podcast? You can... I, I actually might be really scared to... Uh, to start playing that and realize, <laughs> oh, no, this is happening to me and I'm going to be dead tomorrow at what 3. What if you, you put on, because it's Hardcore History, that's the name of the podcast, and it's Rodman Edwards' voice. I'd probably flip out. What if you get in your car and he describes as, and he's like, describes you getting into your car? And he says, you're going to die in 37 seconds. <laughs> well, Do you have any you more? Just stop? <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I would, <laughs> I would pull an Adam Scott and start really annoying everybody around me. I would pull over and wave them down. Is that all your Easter eggs? Because I think no. I had one. I, I've got a few others. Gold Star Airlines. This is a very interesting one. Did not catch this until the very end. Don't fly on Gold Star Airlines. You got It's just like <laughs> you're oceanic. Gonna, you're going to end up on uh, on the Lost Island yeah. or something. So Gold Star Airlines, 
that's from the original Nightmare storyline as they're carting William Shatner off down the ramp and they're they're putting him into the ambulance you see on the side of the stairs that says Gold Star Airlines. So that's a callback to that story, the doll of the gremlin. And also, when Peel reaches down at the very end to deliver his closing lines, he's wearing a bracelet. The shot lingered. I'm like, what is this trying to tell us about the bracelet? That bracelet was a callback and really honoring Rod Serling because that's a replica of the paratrooper bracelet Serling wore, and that was to signify Serling's service. Yeah, Army vet who served in World War II. Now, I had one. What's that? When Adam Scott's going, he's at the newsstand or magazine rack, and there's a stack of magazines that uh, with the, the cover article that he wrote. On the on the top rack are stacks of magazines that appear to have Kumail's face on it. Mm-hmm. And so we're linking these up. We're we're link. We're I don't know. I guess we're in the same universe. That appears to be the only connection I have between these two episodes. Not only that, but we also see Jacob Tremblay's face on the sh- third shelf. Did you see no that? No way. Go back and, we and know rewatch he's, it. He's in some political episode coming up. I think it's the Wonder Kind or Wonder Kid. One Wonder of the. Kid. I'm wondering if he's somehow like president. That's what I'm thinking. And I don't know how that happens or if he's mm-hmm. like an adult in the kid's body. There's going to be some wacky thing going yeah. on. Which I have high hopes for that, that episode. That one, yeah. I can't wait for that. And if you notice, Camille's on the top. Then the second is the second shelf is the magazine that Adam Scott's featured in. And the third is Jacob Trimbley. And that's his face. And I'm going to search right now to see what the third... Well, the third episode's replay. But... Let's see here. The Wonder Kind is the fifth story, and that's starring Jacob Tremblay. So it would have been interesting if that ended up being the third episode of this new series. But so, like you said, they're linking this, and mark my words, the mission of Mars, that will also link to a future episode where you see, it looks like Alien. They've got this fire extinguisher, and we see one of the actresses put out what looks like a fire. So it's linking them somehow. Also, if you go back to the comedian, as Camille's walking out in the very beginning, you see a plane fly over him. And it's assumed that is the same flight and it's taking off because it happens at night. Not only that, but in Camille's opening dialogue, he's talking about the Second Amendment. And he said that it's 11 point some percent of the entire amendment. And he says, that's almost like you're taking a flight and you only get 10% of the way there and your flight ends up in the Atlantic Ocean. Calling back to, once again, they were only in the air for an hour and nightmare. Yeah, that's so. cool. So maybe replay will have some mention of nightmare somehow and there is mm-hmm. like a, an actual Do you like thread. that? Yes, as long as it's not overboard where suddenly characters are overlapping or something. But I like the way that our lives intertwine where I found out I met somebody we were at the same concert 12 years ago. The idea that we can uh, weave in and out and not even know it. I like that. So other titles listed so far, Point of Origin, The Blue Scorpion, The Wonderkind, The Traveler Replay, uh, one, two, three, four, five. So what, two haven't been named yet? Yeah, three, correct? I believe. 
Yeah, three. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Jacob Tremblay one a lot. Because first, there's shots in that that again remind me of Stephen King. Mm-hmm. We have the Shining callbacks where he's riding the little tricycle around or what, whatever you would call that. And yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Despite the the, uh, the mixed one-two punch that we were given right off the bat. So also that's talking about what's in the future for this. Just noting real quick, episodes that are very similar to these episodes. Nightmare is a given, so we don't have to really go into that. But The Comedian, there's an episode that's titled Take My Life, Please. That aired on March 28th, 1986. It's about a stand-up comedian who steals a routine, gets successful, and enters into a world of purgatory. Then there's another Night Gallery episode called Make Me Laugh, which aired on January 6, 1971, about a fading comic who seeks help in making people laugh. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Little-known director Steven Spielberg. Now, what's the plot on that one? The fading comic seeks help in making people laugh. But is that the one where he's like, I want to be funny, and every word that comes out of his mouth is a laugh riot? And then that's he, a fantastic idea. He's like, I just then I want to be taken serious. You want to be because you get what you want and you immediately start to resent it. It's yeah. fantastic. All these ideas are fantastic. So that's where and a lot of people kept saying, take my life, please, that the comedian's a lot like that. I felt like make me laugh. It seemed the comedian took more from that episode, which is technically not gallery episode, which was produced by Serling. Um one note, though, about Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. William Shatner was in it, of course, directed by Richard Donner. Dick Donner, pre, pl- please do a Lethal Weapon 5 for me. Or Superman, merging I, Lethal Weapon. Am I the only one that wants Lethal Weapon 5? Uh, hey, I love those movies. We'll give everybody a chance to answer that in three, two, one. All right. And it was also written by Richard Matheson. And Matheson was a major writer who collaborated with Surly on a lot of those original episodes. Dick so, and Dick. I'd love it. We got to have more Dick. That's going to cover it. How about ranking these new episodes? I don't think that's too hard at this, this point. Is, yeah, this was not difficult. You and I, these are going to be interesting when all 10 are out, where Nightmare kind of fits into this. Because you're kind of thinking it will, will fade away. Uh, I think it had the comedian been episode seven, I don't think I'd be as harsh on it. Mm. But to come out of the gate with this one is not good. Yeah. It's not a good idea. I have a feeling the comedian will be your least favorite. I'll predict that now. And I feel like the comedian will be middle ground for me, right in the middle. Well, yeah, I have a hard time believing it can get worse. I'm really looking forward to The Traveler, written by Glenn Morgan, which is episode four. We have a... Several weeks to go before that comes out. Greg Kinnear is also in that episode. I don't know if I said that. Love that. Love that Greg Kinnear is in one of these. And Steven. A lot of big names are in these episodes. Is there somebody that hasn't been – which episode is – he's in – Seth Rogen is is in a later episode. I believe it's the final episode, Blue Scorpion. Oh, that's last. Okay. I believe so. So what's an actor or an actress that – as far as we know, is not in one of these episodes, but you would you would be like, man, I really think it'd be awesome if was in there. Before we started recording, I mentioned this, and I feel like she she's once again another comedic actress. I'd like to see Leslie Mann for some reason. I'm not necessarily 
like an avid fan or follower of Leslie Mann, but I could see her doing really well after seeing Adam Scott and Camille in those roles. So I'd really like to see her, but going with another comedic actor, I'd like to see Key. I'd really like yeah, to see I, him. I want to see him show up and, and play an Adam Scott type character. Maybe so, against type a little bit. So those are my two picks. What about you? You know, I'd love to see Justin Thoreau in one of these because like he does in The Leftovers, he has an ability like Adam Scott to just have kind of this dumbfounded look on his face and just like, what am, where am I? What is going on around me? And I, I yeah, I want, I want Justin Thoreau in this. I hope they do Adam Scott, Will Ferrell, and John C. Riley. And it's like stepbrothers, but it's called stepdads, and they're all serious. And they just re- – yeah, the dads are the wild ones, and the kids are trying, <laughs> yeah. to, trying to keep everything in line. You know who would be good in one of these is like Donald Glover or something. Yes, Donald Glover would be great. And actually, I think those guys who I just mentioned, I'd like to see them as well. And I think there are a lot. And if there's a trend, I think it's going to be comedians being serious in these roles. And so far – I like what I'm seeing for that. I think acting wise, it's stellar. I would, I honestly would say stellar. Some of the people we have coming up: Taysa Farmiga, John Cho, the great John Cho, Allison Tolman, Jacob Tremblay, Stephen Yoon, uh, Jennifer Goodwin, Greg Kinnear, Zazie Beetz. I was going to say you got to mention my girl Zazie. Chris O'Dowd, the great Chris O'Dowd, Ooh. Seth Rogen. Um. I feel like they announced somebody recently that I cannot remember who. Seth was the last one, in which they – I was very surprised by that. Are you looking forward to a Seth Rogen episode? Yeah. I mean, I think Seth goes beyond comedy. He can't mm-hmm. – I mean, he's shown that he can. So what if they got somebody huge like – do you think they could ever reel in somebody like Brad Pitt to star in this? Yeah, I do. Just be like, hey, we need you for like, I don't know, two weeks. Come I on. honestly couldn't. I could see that happening. So we're going with Nightmare as number one, then The Comedian number two. This is going to do it for us on this episode of Quality Check Podcast. Next up on our Twilight Zone-centric podcast, we will talk about Replay, episode three. And then our next Quality Check Podcast episode is going to be over Drew's most anticipated, second most anticipated film, of April. It's called Pet Cemetery. I've never heard of it. Who's it by? Richard Karn. I was hoping you'd say Richard Bachman. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I was trying to think of his pseudonym. I couldn't. <laughs> and Richard Karn of, of uh, Home Improvement <laughs> was the first person that came to mind. I knew it had a rich, a lot of Richards around. What's going on with all a the dicks? A lot of dicks. We I got told a lot you. of dick. We need more dick. Big dicks. We got small dicks, cause and then we got Rod Sterling. He was five four. I don't know how tall Richard Matheson was, but he could have been a big dick. We don't know. We have no. That's the unknown dick. At least Dick Donner's an old dick. We got all sorts of dicks in the Twilight Zone. Hey, real quick, one yeah. thing we didn't talk about. Yes, the Twilight Zone credit sequence. Oh yeah, love it. I love it's their sticking. Mix, yeah, it's the mixture of what we've seen before and it's modernized yet somehow kind of looks like it was made on After Effects. 
There's a, there's a level of kind of cheese to it that I like. But I think they're honoring the original because of that reason. No, it's great. Don't I, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I'm right, just, right. There is a level of it's, that it's not as sleek as the episodes itself. There's a cheese factor to it, which I like. And the font's the original font. Music sounds good. I love, lo- anytime, I seriously got goosebumps every time those music cues hit. <laughs> And it was just, that's one thing, especially during The Comedian, I I loved. Because when we hear those drums playing in, mm, Good. I could listen to that and go to sleep every night. I would love, every time I went to sleep, I entered the entered the uh, the unknown, the twilight zone. That would be fun. That's the best way to go out. So before we sign off here, fans, don't forget that you can rate and subscribe to us so that you know when a new Twilight Zone episode goes into your podcast player from us or when there's another episode from Quality Check that goes into your podcast player. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter, Quality Check Pod, Instagram at Quality Check Podcast, or send us those emails, qualitycheckpodcast at gmail.com. Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.